Live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Good morning, Bobcat and Rattler fans, and welcome to this Wednesday edition of Bobcat Radio here on the 7th of February. This is your host, Justin Brown, and today I'm joined by my wonderful producer, Kobe Jackson, and my co-host, Jerry Castro. And we have lots of great stuff to cover this episode, including Texas State men's basketball's matchup with App State and an interview with Kirk Bowles over Texas State football's controversial quarterback situation. But before we get to all that, let's throw it to Jerry from a quick word from our sponsor. Twin Peaks Restaurant Sports Bar is a sponsor of this broadcast of Bobcat Radio. Located on the northbound frontage road of I-35 on Guadalupe Street in San Marcos, Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks, eat, drinks, and scenic views. Thank you very much, Jerry. So let's start it right off with Texas State men's basketball. Right now, guys, currently on a two-game win streak, and they're looking to face off against App State, who is currently 10-1 and in Sunbelt Conference. They lead the Sunbelt Conference in the men's basketball standings. And currently, it's a David and Goliath story with the Bobcats only being 3-8 and in Sunbelt Conference. So the Bobcats are one of the lower seeds, and they're going to be facing off against App State tonight at 7 p.m. I wanted to hear y'all's thoughts on this game. Is this a must-win game for the Bobcats if they want to get some momentum going towards the remainder of their season? I mean, they had a rough start into Sunbelt play, but I want to know, is this a must-win game for them to get things going again? I mean, I think every game at this point is a must-win for the Bobcats now. Now they're sitting 9-14 and overall. They're 3-8 and in the Sunbelt Conference, and they're going against the number one team in the Sunbelt Conference right now. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of high expectations for this group. And to think, this is going to be their last game, their last uh their last game to two of their last games before they go on a four or four road game uh road game trip so i mean you got to make these games count if you're going to you know try to get some momentum back and obviously app state is going to be another tough test last year's matchup there in boone north carolina and then you know texas state came up just a bit short but i want to note that tyrell morgan is one of the returners from last year's team so i know he's going to be a main fact no main factor i know we've been talking about Caden gums all season long we've been talking uh talking about davion sykes who has been turning up the heat for the bobcats now so i mean yeah this is a must win must must win for texas state to try to get back up in the rankings in the Sun Belt. Yeah, just going on what Kobe said. Yeah, every game's a must-win game. And obviously with App State being 19-4, and four, it's just, you, you can't just look at that record and be intimidated by that. If you go in that game, you just got to be like, all right, we just got to stand on business and we just got to, like, state our presence. Obviously, Brandon Love had a, a tremendous game. He had 15 points mm-hmm. and 14 boards. He was just a beast. So if they just carry that momentum, obviously on a two-game winning streak, they have a really good chance of being this App State team. Yeah, you know, Jerry, you talk about Brandon Love scoring 15 points and 14 rebounds, and he did that to help the Bobcats get a win over the Southern Miss Eagles. That was their last opponent they faced, and that was here at home. And the Southern Miss Eagles, 6-5 and five in Sunbelt play. This was supposed to be, uh, you know, if you're looking at just the numbers, you would think that Southern Miss would get the win here. 
But no, the Bobcats win and they get their one of their first ever wins against them here at home. And, you know, and then we talk about this Mountaineer squad and what's happening with them right now. They're currently on an eight game win streak and their last loss came on January 6th to Troy, 66 to 62. That's their only loss in conference play. And they're led by Trevon Spillers. He's leading the team with 13.8 points per game, 8.4 rebounds, and he's shooting 64% from the field. And he's second on the team in blocks with 34 of his own. And then Justin Abson. He is second in the entire nation in NCAA blocks with 72 blocks, three blocks per game. So we're going to see a lot of him around the court tonight. And then Donovan Gregory, he's doing great to his very great as well. 13 points per game and shooting 80% from the free throw line. So this half state team has a lot of great personnel. It's going to be really important for the Bobcats to try and get a win against app state at home before they go on this road streak. A road streak is very hard to uh, stay, you know, undefeated in. And this Bobcat team has had struggles struggles on the road. We're going to take a transition here to Texas state women's basketball as they are looking off, looking to face off against Coastal Carolina tonight at 5 p.m. in the HTC Center in Conway, South Carolina. And the Bobcats are currently coming off of a tough one-point loss at home against the 1-10 Sunbelt rival South Alabama. You know, Jerry, South Alabama was currently... Zero and ten in conference play before they faced the you know the 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 Bobcats uh, last week and the, they you know somehow came out with a one point win over the Bobcats. Now that was a tough one for them, and now they're going to face off against Coastal Carolina, who's two and nine in Sun Belt. I want to hear your thoughts on this women's basketball team and how are they going to pick things back up? You know, you lose against South Alabama, that is an opponent you don't want to lose to. So how do you think they're going to bounce back? I feel like obviously going as a team that's 0 and 10, you just can't let stuff like stuff like that slide. Obviously, they had a very inefficient game. They just couldn't get their offense rolling. So you just have to just get on, get on the board. Just get easy buckets either in transition or just easy three point three pointers, and just don't let people explode. Like Kelsey Thompson at 27 points last game. Like you just can't allow someone to explode like that, or else you're just gonna get these tough losses like they did here. Yeah, and, you know, you make a great point about this women's team. I mean, I want to basically make a quick note here that when, and I've seen them, you know, a lot of Texas State women's basketball games this season. And the one thing that I've noticed is that they have gotten way too complacent in the second half. They would have a, you know, a nice, comfortable lead, something that they can take into, ha- you know, to halftime. They can have a nice, comfortable lead, and all of a sudden it can just drift within, within like, minutes. And I, I, I've been seeing that really these past few games. And honestly, and I really noticed it when, uh, Texas State played Old Dominion this past uh, uh, this past uh, last week. Whenever me and uh, Thomas were on the call for the children's game, and you know we kept, we really kind of saw that. And then you know obviously the South Alabama game was kind of just one of those back and forth games of who was going to be. You know, who was going to have the ball last, who was going to have, you know, better defense, better offense. And clearly it was South Alabama. So now, like Justin just said, you know, going on a four game on a four game road trip and then coming back from that four game road trip, they're going to be playing the number one team in the Sunbelt Conference in the Marshall Thundering Herd. So, you know, if you're Bobcats right now, this is where you want to get off to a hot start. Coastal Carolina is in the top top six, at least in the Sunbelt. And they want to try to get their momentum started. They got them. And then they obviously got the Mac the Mac challenge with the Ohio. Bobcats, may I add. So, I mean, this is going to be a tough road swing for Texas State. And honestly, if they can just start racking up some wins, then they might they might scare some people in the Sun Belt. 
Yeah, and it will be a tough, you know, road stint for the Bobcats. And talking about the Chanticleer group, they're eight and sixteen so far, two and nine in conference play. They're thirteenth in the Sun Belt Conference so far. And their head coach is Kevin Peterson, who has led this team in his second season with the program and currently has a record of twenty-two and thirty-two. And the personnel on the floor, Deja Richardson leading the way for the Chanticleers, fourteen point seven points per night. And Michaela Cange and Aaron Freeman also averaging 13 points a game. So it's going to be a fun game to watch. And the Bobcats are going to have to run off, run off of that one to go face off against the Ohio Bobcats in the MAC SBC Challenge. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes, sir. Yeah. So the MAC SBC Challenge is always very fun to watch. And while we do have some time here before we go to a quick break, we got to talk about another basketball squad that just clinched playoffs. And I got an opportunity to watch them yesterday. Unfortunately, so they take they take a tough loss to Judson. And, but the San Marcos Rattlers, the Lady Rattlers, are going to the playoffs, and they have clinched it for the first time since 2022. Kobe, this is a big special thing. I mean, you've been a San Marcos native your whole life, and yep. what does it mean to see this Lady Rattler team get good again? I know you have I mean, family involved in it. I do. My, for, I hate being a dead horse, but my Aunt Lisa was part of the 91-92 state championship team on the San Marcos Rattlers team. But this game is a bittersweet game for me because – San Marcus Lady Rattlers is taking on my alma mater for my high school team, the Clark Cougars, in the first round of district play. So I guess you could say it's kind of bittersweet. You know, we saw the men play them last year in the in the district game uh, last year. Now the women get a chance to go up against the defending state champions. May I add? I know I know Coach Stewart very well for Clark. She has been absolutely phenomenal. She has had great players overall. Uh, she had Ro- uh, Robertson last year that took them all the way to the state championship. Unfortunately, they don't have her this year because she was a senior. And may I add, she is the sister of, or she is the sister of once NBA, former NBA player Andre Robertson. So. That's kind of a, you know, that's kind of a big deal, but they don't have her this year. So obviously them trying to make it back to state, back to back, try to go back to back. It's going to be tough. You know, obviously making the state is not is no easy, no easy gimme. You got to fight, you know, every way. I know we clearly saw that last, uh, you know, me, you and Jerry saw that last night when the Rattlers try to make, you know, moves late in the game. And unfortunately, they just came up just just a bit short. Yeah. I mean, just going off that, like close loss against Justin, you kind of just got to, like, sweep that under the rug. You just got to forget about it, like, hey, we're in playoffs. We just got to lock in with our new opponent, which are the Clark Cougars, and you just got to game plan around that and also fix some stuff that you did last game. Obviously, Justin was – they knew what they were doing against them. I, they just read them like a book. <laughs> they <laughs> yeah. read them like a book. Like, they knew what they were doing. So if you're – if you're San Marcos, you just have to – figure out, like, okay, how do we change up our offense? Mm-hmm. And obviously, they have th- a good three-point shooters, and it, I was kind of questioning why Bailey Guzman wasn't playing in that late fourth quarter. Yeah, They were struggling on offense, and if yeah. Bailey Guzman was out there, she'd be cashing in threes like she was late in the fourth quarter when they barely put her in, like, three minutes ago. Yeah, somewhere yeah, around that. Right. Roughly there. Yeah, she did come in and score a big three, and then we saw Alicia Pearson there score a big three with three seconds left. But mm-hmm. unfortunately... Free throws from Cora Bennett iced the game, and, and then it was over. Kayla King, though, Matt, oh, wow, that Judson Rocket can play basketball. I'd love to Absolutely. see her again. She's a bucket. But, yeah, the Rockets showing why they have the best defense in district, and they get a big win over the Rattlers. But it's playoff time, so the Rattlers could see Judson down the road if they stay in the playoffs few rounds and we'll see how that goes but you can keep you can keep up to date with all lady rattlers if you follow ktsw sports on instagram and x 
But we're going to take a quick break. But on the other side of it, we have a recorded interview with Kirk Bowles, the 51-year Austin American Statesman reporter here on Bobcat Radio. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9. Welcome back to Bobcat Radio here. Justin Brown's your host. We have Kobe Jackson, the wonderful producer, and Jerry Castro as our co-host. But we're going to get right back into the action. And we had the pleasure of interviewing Kirk Bowles, who has covered sports for 51 years for the Austin American Statesman. He is the president of the Football Writers Association of America and has also won Texas Sports Writer of the Year five times since the year 2011. I had the opportunity to interview him about the quarterback situation with Texas State football and about the offseason and the controversy it was and what his ideas are on how the Bobcats can come back. So take a look at this right now. This is Justin Brown with KTSW Sports, and I have Kirk Bowles here, veteran Austin columnist and a real just accoladed Texas sports writer. Kirk, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today, Kirk? I'm doing great. Good to be with you. That's great, Kirk. You know, a lot of controversy has came out in the past few weeks about Texas State football. Uh, You know, Jaden Delora having to leave, you know, so soon, and T.J. Finley out the door. My question to you is, how is Texas State football, do you think, going to recuperate after, you know, an offseason like this? Well... DJ Kenny is under a lot of pressure to bring in a quarterback, if not two quarterbacks, and the timing is not great, obviously. So uh, I, I'm sure that's priority number one, maybe one, two, and three. Uh, so I don't know. I'm sure they're scouring, you know, the portal to see whoever's available. And uh, it's hard to have a, a good program without a quarterback. We see that every year. So he knows there's a sense of urgency about it, and I have confidence he'll probably he'll find you somebody worthwhile. hundred percent. And, you know, you know, Kirk, I know you've seen a lot of sports teams, teams in your history with, you know, covering sports so far. And uh, my question to you is with losing a quarterback, how does that affect, you know, a team's retention to the next year? I mean, obviously TJ Finley was putting up great numbers, but you have returning players like Ishmael Mahdi and some receivers as well. Uh, how is this team going to be able to retain that success? Is it all on Kenny? Is it going to come down to the new quarterback coming in the, the door? Oh, that's a very good question. Uh, you can't underrate the value of a great quarterback because, you know, like when Quinn Ewers came from Ohio State to Texas and they got Xavier Worthy and they started building an elite wide receiving core. So I think a lot of people kind of wait and see uh, before maybe committing to a school until they know, especially skill positions, is that, well, who's going to be throwing to me or who's going to be handing off to me? So, uh, but they do have a lot of talent. That's why they can improve on defense, obviously, and did as they showed Rice in, in the bowl game. And, and that was just a huge first step for for G.J. to do that in his first season is monumental because this is a program that has underachieved under a lot of different coaches. So I think they'll kind of ride that momentum. And I think, you know, with his contacts in the high school state network, I think, you know, that gives him a leg up on a lot of other people that are facing similar problems. 100%. And, you know, the signing of Jaden Delora, uh, it was a it was a decision many People were wondering, how did Don Coriel not notice uh, his previous yeah. record, you know, a criminal background or anything like that? Yeah. What, what, were, what, were you, what do you think was the reason they picked him up despite that? I mean, did they know about the contract, do you think? I mean, I mean the, his history with uh, right. the case and everything like that? Or do you believe it was just uh, they, it was under the radar? They didn't know. I can't believe they wouldn't know because it had been out there. And, you know, when you're getting any kind of player, you got to vet them. Uh, comprehensively especially at that position so I think the fact that he had played at a couple of other schools 
meant that, well, he was okayed by other schools and maybe, you know, it's, there's that fine line that you walk, Justin, between, you know, uh, giving people second chance and, and also, okay, they've had enough second chances or they're just bad character people that you don't want involved in your program. So I haven't spoken to either Don Coriel or, or G.J. Kenny uh, about this situation uh, specifically, but uh, I think, you know, maybe something, you know, they fell short in the vetting process and, uh, and I don't know exactly who the number one is to blame, but it is Don Coriel is the athletic director and I don't think they felt there'd be this type of reaction you know, by the student body that were offended by his presence on the campus. So, you know, it was, I guess you chalk it up as a mistake. We'll see if Dora gets, you know, uh, a spot on somebody else's roster down the line. So, but if they did think it was a mistake and admit the mistake and got him to withdraw, well, I'll give him credit at least for that, but they should have done more homework on the front end. Now, with all this information out there about the team before the season starts, and my question to you is, uh, could I get a preseason prediction on how you think this team will end up, you know, or a record or what you think if they're going to make it to a bowl game again? What would you say? Well, I'd, it's, you'd almost have to give them an incomplete grade. You hate to do that, but until you know the quarterback situation, I do a top 25 in January, and I picked Ohio State to win it all. And then there were a lot of polls that did it like the first week uh, or first day after Michigan's championship. But I feel like that was an incomplete grade because you didn't know there wasn't the portal wasn't closed yet, so there was a lot of sorting out to do. I don't think he can win big without a quarterback. I think Ishmael Mahdi is as talented as they come. Um, I'm the chairman of our Football Riders All-American team and was proud to vote him and and, and have him uh, get on our All-American team. But you got to have that uh, cornerstone, that centerpiece for your offense, I think. And and GJ's an offensive guy. So I don't know, you know, if that's something you can put a Band-Aid on. So you either, either strike it big or it may be kind of a developmental thing where – you know, this could they could have some growing pains in this second year despite all the gains they made in year one. Well, that was it. Kirk Bowles saying a lot about this Texas State football team. Obviously, if those who don't know, Texas State football had TJ Finley and then he decided to hit the transfer portal and go to Western Kentucky. And at that same period of time, they Texas State picks up Jaden Delora from Arizona State and Jaden Delora actually had some controversy with him and a previous criminal background that many Texas State students did not feel fond about. So he had to leave the university. And so now Texas State football without a quarterback and signing day looms near. And I mm -hmm. believe that it is today. So it is today. the Bobcats really need to have a quarterback, guys. I want to hear your thoughts on how this team is going to bounce back. What are they going to do? Are they going to go to the transfer portal and try and pick up people that way? Or are they going to go old school and just go scouting? What do you think, Jerry? I feel like realistically, they probably have to stay with their guys. I mean, hey, just give a shot to one of your one of your QBs like Kaiser, uh, Carson Kaiser. I mean, like he's a redshirt sophomore. He was with us last year, so he has an idea of like what we're about. He probably got mentored by TJ Finley as well. So realistically, you're probably going to have to roll with him and just see what he's about. Yeah, you know, it's it's crazy to think that all this, you know, all these things are going on. But, you know, we've been talking about 
you know, Texas State and the culture that they're building, I I don't want to say this is a step down, but this is almost like a, a just something that's bl- uh, blooming into something, you know, just controversial. I know, you know, Finley leaving, Delora, you know, withdrawing from the university. That's a lot of strain. That's a lot of strain on on the athletic program. And it's complete. It's just a mess right now. But I know they'll find a way to figure things out. Obviously, you know, we were talking about the kid from Reagan, from Reagan High School, possibly getting his shot. We talked about P.J. Hatter. And maybe you never know. Maybe maybe a signee from one of the signees could maybe step in and fulfill that role and try to help out this Bobcat team. But, you know, like Justin, like Justin mentioned, Ishmael Mahdi coming back. You got uh, Joey Holbert coming back. You know, the only real players that you lost was Brian Halloway. And he uh, unfortunately we won't. Uh, he's not going to be back on the team because he's going to be declaring for the NFL draft later on uh, in April. So, I mean, there's still a lot of pieces to fix. You know, obviously, you know, obviously high expectations, you know, winning a bowl game. And then the following season, trying to revamp and re uh, redid what you what you came came all the way to do last you know last season to this season so a lot is riding on this bobcat team right now and hopefully they can get everything situated and get back to get back to football matters you know i wanted to, i want to know what y'all think but do you think winning the bowl game was a blessing or a curse because now the bobcats are going to feel feel pressured to win a bowl game every single year after it and now they're going to have to make some very tough off-season decisions maybe you know a little it's going to be hard to maintain retention and success when you have a thing like the transfer portal now mm-hmm. small schools you have a player ball out he does amazing well guess what he gets attention from the SEC next thing you know what he hits the transfer portal he's gone do you think the bobcats can maintain success since they're such a small school or I mean, how, how are they going to do it? I mean, it's going to be tough. It's it's a small school, and with smaller schools, it's harder to get bigger deals. So how are the Bobcats going to keep this success culture up, you know? You think it's just good scouting and good coaching? I mean, Coach Kenny, he can do it. I mean, we've seen him do that at UIW. He led his team to almost an undefeated season, I believe, and, and yeah. I want to hear what you all think. Yeah, I just feel like you just got to do good scouting, good, just good recruiting, and I don't think it's any pressure, like, like you didn't expect to go to the bowl game last year. Mm-hmm. True. Like that was just an amazing run. And so I feel like you just gotta have that we believe mentality going to next season. Obviously not having a quarterback is just tough for any team because the quarterback is like the conductor of your your offense. So I feel like you can't really put any expectations without having like a solid quarterback. Yeah. And, you know, the Bobcats, they picked up two ten ten new members mm-hmm. in their offseason and uh you know, we have some great, we see some great defensive line players, some defensive ends. We see some tight ends um, in there. You know, I could go through the list. We have Tamise Adelaye, Adelaye. and he is a junior, and he's a redshirt junior from Katy, Texas. The last school is Michigan State. He's a defensive lineman. We have Torrance Burgess. He's a running back junior, redshirt fresh, uh, red shirt from Pearland, Texas, and he played at UTEP before that. And uh, Brendan Frankie, he's a kicker. We got him from Georgia Southern. Max Harris from Montgomery, Alabama. He's a linebacker. Telic Lockett, he's an offensive lineman from Miami, Florida, Florida, and he transferred from ULM. Alex Merritt, defensive line from Cincinnati, Ohio. He actually transferred from Eastern Michigan. Stephen Parker, the defensive end, red shirt from UIW. 
And then we have Blake Smith, the tight end from South Lake, Texas, and he played Ooh. at Oklahoma. So that's a good player right there. And Dante Thompson, cornerback junior from Pensacola, Florida, and he played at Arkansas State. So a lot of good transfers from other Sunbelt schools. And, and, you know, there's a lot more on a team than just a quarterback, Kobe. So, oh, you know, th- these pickups are really going to help the group. Yeah, it will. And, and like like I talked about, like you just mentioned, obviously GJ is a well-known offensive, you know, offensive uh guru i could say and you're right you know almost making it you know with uiw to the F, uh, fcs uh national championship unfortunately got knocked out by north dakota state uh, north dakota state bison that was unfortunate but took them all the way to the semifinal after an unbelievable year comes into texas state completely changes the program completely changes everything goes on to win a bowl game and to answer your question about about the pressure, yeah, of course it's going to bring pressure because you're everybody's going to be now looking at you uh, at like you're the top. Now you're going to be the top dog. I know Troy and uh, you know I know Troy is now the defend is still the Sunbelt Conference champions back to back years. But I mean, it opens an eyeball for Texas State because you know Troy and Texas State have had good, great has had rich history between the two teams, and you know we could possibly see a rematch of that. Maybe maybe this could be the year that Texas State could go all the way to the Sunbelt Conference title. Hopefully that they can host it at Texas State. I know that has been uh, I know that has been on their minds really for the past couple of few years. So but I mean, a lot can happen. It's only it's only February. You know, we just keep in mind that spring uh, spring spring ball is, is coming up around the corner. So, you know, we just kind of have to wait and see where the puzzle pieces kind of fit kind of fit for these players yeah you know it's a little early to tell we got a lot of time until football season is here so let's see if these bobcats can get something going and get to a bowl game again you know we look at i just wanted to mention two returning players for coach kenny from uiw his old teammates I mean, his old uh, former players that he coached, Max Harris, one of the linebackers we picked up, and Dante Thompson, so mm-hmm. two players that played with Kenny. So more Kenny bringing over his old players from UIW. It should help out a bunch. But last segment of the day is we're going to be talking about Texas State softball as they Ooh. officially return for their 2024 season tomorrow afternoon. And the Bobcats will be hosting the Texas State Tournament, which runs through Thursday and Sunday, Thursday through th- Sunday, where the Bobcats will play six games against UTSA, Northwestern State, Kennesaw State, SIU, and Creighton. So, guys, I want to hear y'all's thoughts on the softball team starting off once again. They have 21 players returning from last year. That's every single player. Yep. And that's including former All-Sun Belt players Jessica Mullins, who is the ace on the uh, in the pitching circle, Sarah Vandiford, the bomb third baseman, and Sierra Trahan and Hannah Earls, the outfielder and shortstop. So they have a lot of good returning players, guys. How excited are y'all for the softball season? I'm so excited to see Jessica Mullins. You know, Kobe, we've seen her multiple years here Absolutely. she's fourth in career era with a 1.80 and she currently has 599 career strikeouts at 123 plate appearances so i, I mean i really want to hear y'all's thoughts on this team yeah i mean when i was at, so i had a privilege enough to be at uh their media day yesterday and you can just tell there is just a different feel for them. I mean, I was noticing, I, I mean, obviously, you know, we, I was interviewing the players, but I was, I kind of stuck around a little bit and watched their practice because they basically did, they basically did a scrimmage. And, you know, they've been doing this really, really, all, really during the offseason. Baseball has done the same thing. I know we'll dig into baseball in another time, but there's just a different feel for this team because 
I think what really is driving them is the fact that they made it to an NCAA uh, NCAA regional tournament and they got a win in that tournament. Unfortunately, they got knocked out by the same team, the Texas A&M Aggies, but they want they are hungry and they want this win. I you know we were able to, I was able to speak to um, Jessica Mullins and Sarah Vanderford and head coach Ricky Water and they all pretty much said the exact same thing. We are hungry to get back to the NCAA regional tournament. Obviously, our schedule is going to be tough. They, you know, you got to play Texas. All all their game, their big time Texas versus Texas schools are going to be here in San Marcos with Texas Tech, UT, UTSA, Baylor, Texas A&M. All of those schools are playing are playing here in San Marcos. So that is going to be the the matchups. I think everybody's going to be waiting to see. But I think with them. You know, them trying to get back to the NCAA tournament is going to be a must for them. And, you know, I want to throw this out there because I know head coach Ricky Weir don't like talking about this, but she is close to a career milestone with 800 career wins as a head coach. So that is going to be pretty special if she can possibly even, you know, if she can get that during this tournament. But as just far as this season, I'm really excited. I know we got a lot of calls going on this weekend. So mm-hmm. we are just we are just basically 24 hours away. And honestly, I can't wait. In, I can't wait any longer. Yeah, you know, we do have some of these games going to be played over the weekend and it will be on air. We talk about, you know, Sunday we have oh, we'll start we'll start off actually with tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah, why not? Let's start off with tomorrow and Kobe will be on the call with Thomas Terry and they will be playing at 4:15 p.m. Yep. But before that, we also have Thomas Terry and Audrey Pasillas on at 2 p.m. So Thursday you have games at 2 p.m. and 4:15 p.m. And then Friday we have Tech State softball with Bo Kelly and Audrey at 4:45 p.m. And then Saturday, we I mean, Sunday, we have more softball at 11 a.m. with Kobe Jackson and Davin Meredith on the call. So plenty of softball action over the weekend. And I almost forgot my Tuesday tally. I wondered if fans believe that Texas State baseball would make the NCAA tournament again. I know softball did recently, but I wanted to see if baseball would. And 95% of the viewers on our story believe that Texas State baseball is going to get to the NCAA tournament again. So that'll be exciting. But we could talk plenty about baseball on our Friday episode because this is about all the time we have for today. I think I could throw it to Kobe for the weather. Yes, I can. Kobe, tell us about the weather. Well, it's a little darker than it was yesterday. It's currently 40, 61 degrees. It was a low of 44. It's supposed to be a high of 61, tom- uh, 61 tomorrow. Nothing but clouds in the sky today. No percent chances of rain, knock on wood. But then what's going to do tomorrow's forecast for anybody who's going out to the softball games tomorrow. It's going to be a low of 56 and a high of 72. So, not bad weather, not bad at all. Just make sure you bring an umbrella just in case if unper- you know if Mother Nature has something planned. But I mean, softball is back. We're we're ready to get we're ready to get things rolling. Bat- Rattlers, both men and women, are in the final stretches of their season. And honestly, what a time to what a time to be a sports fan right now. Yeah, what a time! It's a very busy time of the year for sports: baseball, basketball, softball, all in one. I'm excited for it. I'm here for it. And if you want to keep up to date with all of it, I'd say follow KTSW Sports on Instagram and Twitter or X. But yeah, that's going to be all the time we have here for you today for Bobcat Radio. This was your host, Justin Brown. And for Kobe Jackson and Jerry Castro, we wish you a wonderful rest of your Wednesday. Now, let's get you back to the other side of radio.